0: Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from X-Growth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though. Let's dive right in.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with XGrowth, and today I'm talking to Alex West, Chief Executive Officer at Swoop, about how B2B leaders can and should prepare their business for an acquisition. The market is quite hot. There is a lot of acquisition and mergers happening in the current market. So this is a very timely conversation. I'm super excited to talk about this with Alex. Alex, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. No, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So Alex, you and Swoop have been going through a, a series of acquisitions, expanding the business, very exciting stuff. I'd love to hear from your side. You know, you've been involved in, in in all these acquisitions. What do you look for in, in an organization when you're when you're looking to make an acquisition?
2: Look, obviously, your point before was very correct. There's both now and there. Typically, has always been a lot of M um, activity and consolidation in the industry that, that I'm in, in telecommunications. I've had, I think, it's roughly fifty something integrations under my belt now, uh, at various stages of the acquisition. And now, obviously, as CEO, I'm I'm taking a, a more front lead. Uh, recently acquiring uh, four businesses since listing in May. So it's been a very busy journey for us. Uh, typically what we look for, particularly in the very early days of our um, sort of M&A journey, you look for like-minded companies. So it's a, mostly a cultural cultural and business fit to what we're looking for. And in terms of those companies, look, we want to see growth, you know, or either growth currently uh, or growth that we see together that we can achieve. So. The main focus for us is is early days adding growth, and then what we add to that, obviously, where we're publicly listed, uh, we can help accelerate that growth, and also looking, as I said, like-minded individuals that want to come along for the journey. So we're not a large enough company to completely swallow the companies. We need founders and leaders to come along with us and add to our capability and scale in terms of what we do. Got it. Right.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense you know are there are there i know you you've made both b2c and b2b acquisitions uh, organizations that have a b2c and a, a direct to consumer and a and a b2b focus but overall are there certain characteristics that you you look for and it's more attractive to you and and the reason i ask that is you know one of the one of the things that i hear quite often in the in the MA space is how can businesses create these reoccurring models versus, versus one-off kind of uh, project-based uh, deals? Is, is that something that is on your radar when you're looking at
2: organizations as well? Absolutely. I mean, we see growth in, in recurring revenue. Our whole business model is, is ultimately that. So we're looking for something that's going to add to that and keep that going. Uh, we're not set up for project-based. So ideally, yes, we want to see a company that's growing both organically and you know with reoccurring revenue so that they're not having to put you know excessive effort in day in, day out to continue that growth. And if they, they sort of stop, then the whole thing sort of falls apart because um, acquisitions and integrations are very distracting and we need to make sure that when we, when we do a transaction that we're not breaking a business in doing so. And, and obviously that, that reoccurring growth model is what we're looking for. The other things we look for, and it can be one of two things, it's either they do something better than what we do. So we're looking for that product and that um, that allows us to grow because in, in telecommunications you can either be very specific or you can offer a range of products our current business model is we're looking to add to our product mix so that we can better serve our customers through sort of that cross-sell opportunity as well our recent acquisition voice hub being an example of that where we're adding to our voice platforms because particularly when business customers buy a telecommunication service they really just want that one-stop shop and so, bringing voice hub along for the journey, it does. It adds to our product mix and allows us to better service our existing customers and also attract new customers as a result. Interesting,
1: interesting. Okay, got it. So, so expanding expanding those service offerings is quite key. Now, a lot of our a lot of our audience and people who are listening to podcasts are in the sales and marketing space, right? And I wanna I wanna hear from your side. Let's unpack this a little bit. What do you look at? you know, what is important for you from a sales and marketing standpoint? I mean, we talked about growth a little bit, but let's unpack that a bit more.
2: Look, I, I rely quite heavily on um, on my sales and marketing leads. The one thing where we know you need to have strong people in those spaces to make sure that they know the customers, they know who they're selling to, they know what the value proposition is. You can't be too wishy-washy with this thing. You have to be very targeted and focused. Otherwise, you're just throwing money at, at various different um I guess experiments, we're looking for someone that's probably past that experimental stage that knows what knows what drives customers and it's simply just, you know, apply more resource and you get more results because that's ultimately what we can provide. So, we um, be it capital or, or more resources to be able to, you know, accelerate somebody's growth
1: that they're going through. Got it. You said you don't want it to be wishy-washy. Tell me a bit more about that. What does that
2: mean? <laughs> um, it, uh, look, I'm an engineer, so I, I, I typically run by the numbers um, and I expect my sales and marketing arms to do the same. So it's particularly like return on investment. You know, $1 in equals how many sales and so on and so on. It can't be a, you know, it's not about getting awards. It's not about having the, the best brand. It's about driving sales and making and attracting customers and those sort of things. And, you know, having the numerical results to, to do it. And I have a great team that, that does that for me. So Got it.
1: What about, you know, what about in terms of the, the, the niche that they operate or the area that they focus on, right? So you, you talked about how it's really important to focus on, uh, you, you talked about a little bit about, around focus and value proposition. Do, is it more appealing to you when an organization has a broader reach and they target a lot of people or it's more attractive to you when they go after one very specific niche and they laser focus on that?
2: Yeah, to be honest, it can be both, as long as they're good at it. So we're looking for someone, if it is just purely targeted, and you know, some of our acquisitions have been that, exactly targeted regionally, like geographically, or targeted um, with a particular product, they are you know, ultimately what we've looked at first, because they're bolting on to what we do. Uh, as we get bigger, you know, through acquisition and organically, we are also, you know, we've added capability and scale and a, and a cost-based, to our own company, that we can start to look at those wider, those wider companies that are looking at a number of different things, because, you know, adding those to us will actually just lower their cost base, and we get better synergies from it, and so on. But initially, you're right, it is about laser focus, because, you know, we're adding capabilities to things that we don't necessarily do, or into areas that we're not necessarily in at this point in time, areas being geographically.
1: Got it. Okay. There are a lot of B2B founders who, who are part of our audience as well. And I would like to explore, and I want to I hear kind of your advice for those individuals. You know, they could be, you know, running a, a kind of boutique company. It could be a, maybe a larger one, but, but you know, they, they might be thinking about acquisition. and might be thinking about acquisition in five years' time. might be thinking about acquisition in two years' time. How can business directors better prepare themselves and their organization before an acquisition.
2: Sure. I mean, it works in two directions. They're either acquiring or being acquired. So you, you sort of have to make the decision about how you wish to grow your own business. And it's, it is exactly as you said, you have to have a vision. For what what is this going to look like in five years? Are you growing your business to a point where you're looking to make an exit or looking to get bigger and um, sort of pull back a little bit? Because being a founder um, is incredibly time consuming. You have no... You have no time for anything else you know no family nothing it is just about the business so a lot of the acquisitions we have done to date have been providing opportunities for people to not so much step out but step back from from the pressure and providing more resources around that so in order in terms of preparing themselves the simplest thing is know your business and know your numbers when we come in we know we we have to do valuations very quickly because there's obviously a lot going on we don't want to waste people's time so they have to know what what their numbers look like, their revenues, their customers, how they're growing, and all those sort of things. So investing in um, and a number of companies I've sort of suggested is investing in good accountants or good CFOs or CFO type people is something you probably want to do before you know you step down that acquisition, looking for someone to acquire you, or even you know for you acquiring someone else. So it's it's somewhat counterproductive to most people that are sales and marketing leaders, and just if you're just selling every day, it's still not enough. You need to make sure that you, you have good finances and, and
1: everything's in order. I love that. So so make sure your finances are are in order. Do you have do you have some stories that uh, like sales and marketing is killing it and then the numbers are
2: absolutely in the trash? Absolutely. Give me some stories. Look, I, I think look most businesses in growth will will experience a cash drain. So as you're putting more money into marketing, you're seeing your sales numbers go up, you have there are you know, countless stories both from my education and and, you know you do business degrees and they'll explain it to you that at some point you will run out of money and you have to have a plan for that not so much companies that we acquired all of the companies that we've acquired have been very cash generative but I have obviously been in acquisitions before where without an injection of cash that we were capital we were bringing that business would have gone under So you have to know where your money's coming from and just because you're selling every day doesn't necessarily mean you're making money Hopefully, business founders know that if I'm teaching someone this story, then I'm the wrong person. But it's um, that, that is mostly what we see people that grow too fast can, can grow themselves out. And look, it's we, we can obviously assist with that because we have we're able to generate capital either from debt or from equity markets and, and help accelerate that growth. But you don't want to be in a position where you want to be in a good position when you're having you negotiating, you don't want to be desperate. Yeah, I,
1: I, I hear you, and, and you know, you're. You're, uh, usually you don't negotiate during the good times, it's, it's during the bad times that you start negotiations sometimes and, and then yes. you're you're
2: in red. Most of our acquisitions have been on unsolicited. So we've approached based on, so they haven't been expecting an acquisition. They may have been previously approached and never thought it was a good idea or not a good fit. So, you know, you have to almost be ready at any time. You don't know when someone's going to knock on your door and I, I tend to approach more people that I know through the industry, you know, 20 something years in, in telco, I'll make, make a couple of phone calls and get in contact and people will be like, well, I wasn't expecting this. And then they will at least go through that valuation process. And that's probably the other thing when you said, what do you need to prepare for? Know what you want out of this. So it, you know, the valuation process, you have to have a number in mind that would be the, this is the point in time that I'm happy to either step away or, or hand over the thing that I'm growing. So when you say I have a m- number
1: in mind, is that you know, are you like, are you saying, hey, I should have a number in terms of a dollar figure, or I should have a number in terms of a multiplier that I think the business is worth? You know, what is,
2: what is, you know, what do you mean by that? Ultimately, it's a, a dollar figure at some point in time. So it might be, you know, if in five years' time I want to walk away from this business with, you know, ten million dollars in my pocket, and um, and that would that would be what would make me happy to then go and do something else or whatever it happens to be. It's not necessarily always cash because being public we have the advantage of being able to use our script for um, as part of transactions evaluations and then and that's what we do. People come on board, take some script and some shares, and they grow with us and so that they're adding to the business and they're growing with the business and they're both you know helping us grow, but they're also helping their own personal wealth grow as well at the same time. so it's um it's a win win for all of us and the case people might
1: what um, you know what are some of the strategies that you've come across that improves a multiple of revenue for or or profit or ebitda for for a company like you know are there do you just look at everything and say profit with a certain um certain multiplier or that multiplier changes based on a based on based on different businesses and b- business models that you look at
2: it does change based on business models and they're not always the same typically we're acquiring companies at around the three to five ebitda multiple when we use ebitda because it's the best um, representation for for cash that we would the cash narrative that, that we'd be looking for also we um we're an infrastructure based company so it um it makes more sense to us to, we, we report to the market that way. That's the what we're sort of focusing on when we're explaining how our business runs to other people. So we sort of look for that like-minded thing. As companies get bigger, as the valuations go higher, we, we generally expect that the multiples might also increase because there's not as many companies out there. And so typically we, we might see a multiple move up to sort of six or eight times EBITDA. But there are other ways of doing it. If a company's not yet achieving that, that EBITDA, Uh, line you may look at revenue I've seen companies acquired off revenue base so it's a much lower multiple typically uh, 1.1 to 1.2 times it wasn't an acquisition that we did but it was one that um, in our industry we've seen Uh, or if you're um, if you're already public then obviously it's much easier to value you're just looking at premium and those sort of things but I'm pretty sure there, there aren't as many of those that are available.
1: When you say, you know, when you say that a company gets larger, right, because there are fewer fewer of them out in their market, what, what is your definition of getting larger? Well, I said, larger
2: for us, I mean, we're typically looking at, we have been acquiring companies up to that $1 to $2 million EBITDA range on a recurring basis, so ongoing basis. As we start to push to five to 10 times, you see multiples start to shift up because there aren't as many companies that are running well and in our space. Um, that, you know, have that sort of multiple and would be available for a transaction. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And, and, and being available for a transaction
1: is probably the, the key component as well. We've talked about a lot of bun- bunch of red flags that you kind of see when you're looking at an organization to acquire, right? We've talked about knowing their numbers. We talked about growth. Are there any other red flags that comes to your attention when you're doing in your due
2: diligence? Yeah, uh, people's probably the last one that you need to consider. I've seen integrations fail because people weren't aligned and having a view of what the organisational structure is going to look like, you know, in that first day after the transaction, potentially then also the hundredth day or, or a year from now becomes important. And if you can't see yourself working with the other person, walk away before that, that happens. And I think the, the integrations I've seen and the you know the transactions that ultimately fail several years down the track are mostly about people and culture. So you might have a good business that's generating, you know, generating cash and doing the right thing, but you try and put two businesses together that aren't aligned or people aren't just going to be focused on the same thing. You're going to end up with um something that never quite achieves what you originally set out to do.
1: Right. So make sure you you know your numbers. Make sure you can show growth. Make sure your um EBITDA is is in is in good health, and then lastly is is the people piece. I think the people piece is a very interesting interesting point because a lot of organizations don't realize that until it's too late i feel like you know your financials you get it the person who's talking to you like your financials are not in place and that's you know that's the end of the discussion or you don't have the growth or you don't have you don't have this but the people piece is something that will blow up in your face down the track rather than at the beginning is that you know is that a fair fair
2: statement absolutely and you never you you can never really realize it 100% of the time but i said that what you do on day 1 will will help assess that so if you're not likely to get on with the if i'm not likely to get on with the founder and we're just not we probably won't get to dd but it, say we do for example if it's not going to be a good mix or we don't we believe that you know we're running the company separately or you know not with the same alignment on how we treat our staff or you know which markets we want to go to we're far better off not doing the transaction than continuously fighting you know for a year down the track. and, and that. so as I said,'ve I've seen mergers fail uh, or acquisitions fail as a result of that. Alex, this has been a very interesting
1: conversation. I think we've we've touched on some very interesting points. I have a couple of rapid fire questions that I want to ask you, but before I get to that, is there is there anything else that uh, you think we should cover? Uh, when, when it comes to acquisition, things for people to prepare or things to know and, and things that are important to you that I, that I haven't covered or I haven't asked?
2: It's probably just making sure whenever you consider it that it's the right time for you in the business. It, it is very distracting. You, know, you, you have to answer a lot of questions about your business whilst trying to run your business at the same time. So make sure you're ready. You ready. Know, I would always be open to opportunities. You never know when, when someone's going to offer you something that you never thought you'd get for your own business. So you know, always be open, but also if you decide to go down that path, make sure you're ready because yeah, well, obviously, whoever's trying to acquire you is also very busy as well. So we expect you know things to happen quite quickly once we get to that stage. Got
1: it. No, great, great points. Solid, solid points. That's uh, uh and and yeah, I, I've I mean I've never been part of one, but I I have heard how exhausting it can be to go through that process.
2: And look, and it's easier for me. I have a team of I have a team of people, and we're acquiring much smaller smaller companies that don't have the same resources so sending lawyers and accountants and, and tax advisors and everything else asking lots of questions and um whereas you know, someone on the other side is you know in a room full of other five other people trying to put answers together so it can be but look they've all been successful so and they've all been good good so far so
1: awesome all right i want to ask some rapid fire questions the first one first question is what is one resource? It could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a, a talk, whatever it is, Has fundamentally changed the way, the way you work or live. Simon Sinek's
2: golden rule, the why sort of thing. So he did a TED talk yep. uh, that my, one of my, my now sort of head of sales or uh, one of my executive directors introduced me to years ago. And that sort of changed the way we look at, you know, how we build a culture of companies and those, those sort of things. So why are we here? And, you know, when we acquire someone, you know, we want to understand what their why is.
1: Got it. Love it. Number two, what if, if you could have only give one advice to to B2B founders or, or business leaders, what would it be?
2: Know where your cash is coming from. Love it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Cash flow. Cash flow is king. And, and uh, all right. Sounds good. Number three. Are there influencers in, in your space, in leadership or in sales and marketing or, or in, in, in some of these areas that you follow uh, quite closely?
2: I have great mentors around me, so I obviously always suggest that. So I, um, I work with people that I've worked with for many years. So I've got the likes of James Spenceley and Tony Griss that are well experienced in this, in this space. I, I, they're also very active, so you're welcome to follow them. In the sales space, not so much. Uh, it's, to be honest, it's something I'm also learning as we go. So I've previously been an operational engineer or, and the COO before I was CEO. So if you have any advice for me or any of your listeners do, I'd be more than happy to. Leave that. I spend most of my time reading about sales and marketing now than I do anything else. Oh, really? Well, why is that? Uh, so I said my career came up through, one, I love to learn but I, I grew my career through um, operations management and running companies that way. So COO or you know, head of operations to COO to then CEO. So the one part I've worked alongside some very great, very great sales leaders, but you know, I also need to learn how to motivate very good sales leaders. Got it.
1: Got it. No, that's a very interesting point And, uh, and, and fascinating. Okay. Question number three, sorry, four, actually four. We're last one. What is something that excites you about the B2B space today?
2: Look, I, uh, we work in an industry that is forever changing. So B2B, particularly around Telco, we have a, what's a once in a lifetime career, like a company or technology changing event with the M B N coming on board. So at some point over the next, the previous two years and the next five years, everyone will change their service provider in one way or another. So there's a massive opportunity for us and, and that's why we're, we're very excited in this space. And we're playing in a technology that's slightly different than what's available to us in regions that you know not everybody is going for. So we're focusing on regional Australia and the, the, the lack of uh, quality services there or potential quality services there. So what's exciting for us in B2B is almost every single business now, and there's over a million businesses that have fibre available for the first time at a reasonable price through a what's effectively a, a somewhat subsidised market so massive change for our industry so very exciting and it's about yeah. you know getting involved
1: and, yeah. i'd imagine and uh, no wonder the, the the crazy growth that uh, soup is experiencing alex really appreciate you coming on the podcast this has been an absolute blast to chat of chat to you and, and i'm sure a lot of the the business leaders and founders out there are going to take a lot out of this thank you so much
2: Norris, thank you very much for having me Thanks
0: so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support. and We're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.